When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode, and this is a Geekscape special. So this is your first Geekscape. We're going to be talking all about Captain Marvel. That's the new uh, blockbuster movie from Marvel. And what I like to do whenever one of these big blockbuster geek events happen, whether they happen on TV or they happen on the big screen, I like to sit down with Ian Kerner and talk about them. It will be spoiler-filled. So if you want my non-spoiler-filled take, why don't you go to the episode I also released this week with my good friend Ashley Robinson talking about her brand new comic book. And that one, I think, is episode 505 of Geekscape. We have a really great conversation about the Arrowverse and which X-Men other than Wolverine you would have raise a young girl because Wolverine ends up always getting that gig, whether it's like a young Jean Grey or Jubilee or a million other ex-girls. It's kind of weird that Logan keeps raising them and he'd probably be the one that I think would be the worst qualified. Um, Anyway, if you want any of that talk and an unspoiler-filled Captain Marvel review, why don't you head over to that other episode and listen to it. If you have watched Captain Marvel or you just don't, care because you want to burn it all down and just get to end game well you're in the right place Ian Kerner and I are going to be talking a lot about it uh, the nitty gritty the easter eggs all the things that you need to know as you go into Avengers Endgame we're going to hopefully set you up with it uh, and also talk a little bit about where we've been because this is a movie that takes place before almost all of this MCU stuff happened we got some Captain America we got some stuff from the Ant-Man film there's some stuff that happened before mm-hmm Captain Marvel, but it does take place a few decades before this uh, current storyline is happening. Okay. Ian. I do want to say real quick, you know, like, you've never bothered to talk to me about the Arrowverse stuff, but I guess there's just too much of it. And I don't watch it. I know you don't. I watch, uh, I watch, through, I watch through season three of Arrow and season two of, uh, Flash. of Flash, and then when I went through my divorce, the DVR stayed with Laura, and <laughs> so I was like, okay, well... I don't know. And then, then they then they added Supergirl, which I did watch the first season of. They added that to the Arrowverse, and then they added Legends, which I wasn't totally into the season one. It became very big. But Ashley was awesome. She said, "You know what? Black Lightning's the best one. It's not actually in the Arrowverse. You can, and it's a shortened season. You should just watch those. You could just watch Black Lightning. Yeah, true. I heard Black Lightning's awesome. But you still want me to watch Titans and Doom Patrol? So I dude, do. We're all over the map. Doom Patrol is surprising. Oh, I can't wait." I really can't wait. And uh, we're done shooting Chasing Fletcher Allen this past weekend. So and you, you actually watched Umbrella Academy. And I watched all of Umbrella Academy within a week, and I was super addicted to it, and, yeah, I, it and I loved it. 
um, which I think I talked about that two episodes ago on the mainstream Geekscape podcast. But this is a special. So let's talk about Captain, Captain Marvel's here. I've seen it twice. Ian's seen it once. That's rare. But um, get down to it, Ian, because you were two seats for me during the the film, and I think that Justin definitely got my take. I'm guessing he got your take as well. Well, Justin was sitting between us. Yeah, I had a sense that um, you were a little confused about when it took place. (laughs) The the movie wasn't clear enough that it was in the 90s. (laughs) One of my major comments was, uh, and I think Justin got sick of me doing this, but every time there was a 90s reference in the movie, I kept being like, remember? (laughs) You know those remember berries? Yes, I do. From South South Park. Park. Yes. Remember the 90s? Oh, remember. I mean, this... um, Okay, so the first time I watched the movie, not that into it. The second time I watched the movie, a night later, one night later, which I turned out to have tickets to, um, I enjoyed it a little more, but it's still really falling flat for me. Um, And I do think that, and it's not because the 90s pandering just got to be too much, but, but there is a lot of stuff in this movie, including the structure of the script, which I think really hurts... Our connection with Carol and connect and, and really hurts the 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 propulsion system of this film. I'm glad I'm glad you said that, and um, I think viewers know this generally. But Jonathan and I, going way back to the beginning, particularly when we would see things together, we always had this rule: we would always try to avoid voicing any opinions yeah. to each other till we get so we, you get it live. <laughs> so we gotta there's have, no, there's no we gotta coaching have Justin anything. in between us. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, and similarly. Uh, I thought it was good, and I rank it up there among a lot of the good Marvel movies. It's not great, and we've had a bunch of great ones more recently, right? Sure. I mean, um, the, the, the last, I mean, Infinity War is the best. Yeah, Infinity War, fantastic. Um, Black Panther was great. Um, Ragnarok, great. Yeah. And, but, of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp, really good. <laughs> so much fun, yeah. Good, you know? Yeah. Um, but so, so the thing is, I think, I'm glad you said structure, because... What frustrated me, I watched this movie, and, and as we get into this, you know, I totally understand why, but considering that they wanted to make this movie and have it be this great, you know, obviously it's female-centric and, you know, and uplifting all that, and, you know, and I really relied on my, my fiancé went and saw it, and I was glad to hear her take on it because it was right in line. There were moments, now, we didn't have this emotional reaction, but three times in the movie she actually cried. Oh, sure. It was that powerful okay. as far as one. I, okay. I had that emotional reaction. Yeah, I mean, there's moments that, you know, like, you know. Not at the same really moment good. she did. Probably not. Um, when the plot wasn't moving forward, but, well, I Well, here's cried. the thing is, I look at this movie and, you know, and the setup, it starts off, you know, in what's more or less the present. And we, you know, there's a plot device where, you know, you're getting some flashes because of, you know, she has amnesia. And eventually, you know, we get little pieces of the past. But this would have, movie would have been so much more powerful if we literally had just been Carol Danvers' story and we saw her young and we saw it go on and she got older and getting shut out of the Air Force, not being able to fly and all these things and culminating in, oh, then she's in this experiment, you know, and she gets taken and all that and she doesn't remember and, you know, and had they developed more of her relationship with a friend whom Stephanie had a really interesting comment that I didn't even think of when I was watching the movie. Um, that actually can still work. There's nothing in the movie that says it isn't the case. But Stephanie was hoping that they were a relationship. I was waiting for them to kiss. Yeah, throughout it was the because film. because they had they had great chemistry. Yeah, I was waiting for them to kiss. They had fantastic chemistry. And I kept, the, and the I kept saying that to Justin. I was like, "Kiss her." Yeah, 
Kiss I mean, her. it really, it really felt that way. But it's, it's never there. But it's not, not there either. And I'm glad Stephanie said that because if it had come from you or I, yeah, would have seemed we, exactly would have seemed like a you know male pandering. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, check it out. These no, girls are kissing. She, 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 she wanted that. Um, and you know, and so where, where the movie ends up actually being flat is, you want more background. Yes. You want to see more of Carol before. And here's the thing. I'll tell you why they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because in terms of it being a big Marvel sci-fi movie, if they'd done the movie linearly, there wouldn't have been any action till you know, way into the second act. Okay, so, I, so there's a couple things that really tripped me up. And I'll compare it to a buddy of mine called it a bad matrix where somebody is like thrown into this situation mm-hmm. and is really developing a lot of... I don't think that's entirely accurate. But I will compare it to people being thrown into extra, extraordinary situations and having to develop this inner strength or inner discovery that allows them to be able to not only uh, take events, you know, take you know, take control of events, but actually supersede those events and become all powerful. I would, by the way, it's it's more Total Recall than Matrix, right? So, like the Total Recall adaptation that Schwarzenegger was in. Um, we won't talk about the most recent Colin Farrell one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will. Um, the, the, like, the, like Total Recall and like this, there's, a, there's an issue that we're already starting like way behind the ball here mm-hmm. and we're playing catch-up as our characters playing catch-up. I can understand on the script page where you're like, okay, the audience's experiences are paralleling Carol's experiences, but we never really get a chance to meet Carol for a very long stretch of this film. In the first 30 minutes... Whether it's Jude Law's character or the um, Supreme Intelligence, there's a lot of exposition dump. Mm-hmm. And it's exposition dump that we don't really care about because we haven't gotten to know Carol yet. We get Carol. Um, whereas with something like, ne- like, like Neo, we see Neo at his day job mm-hmm. and his computer starts glitching out. We see Luke on his farm and then the droids go and disappear. We see these hints of a bigger world. Well, but, we also but we, but saw the hint with Carol. We just don't really get to have we, the context for it. We have no context for it. But you need the context. You really need that. You really need that. That once upon a time there was a person who lived in this place. We kind of need the feet to be on the ground. We don't. Well, we well, don't need it. We don't need Peter Parker's origin story. We don't need the traditional or, origin story, which I felt like they were really trying hard to askew. We need something to ground us with Carol, and then the fantastic can start to happen. But what, when we actually see Carol conscious for the first time, she immediately starts doing ninja moves with Jude Law, and we don't quite get her yet. Mm-hmm. We've seen, a, we've seen a, a kind of experimental dream sequence. We know it'll be important. We see her wake up, and immediately she's, in, she, she's doing ninja moves with Jude Law and having the Supreme Intelligence tell her things. We don't really have that day in the life five minute one minute sequence mm-hmm. where we're with her and now we see her go um we do start to get who is carol later out through, throughout the movie ensure that is part of it i don't know if this was the best structured version of it no i ultimately come away from the movie and i, I did enjoy it but I, I kind of agree with you we're not even sure where her morality is as she doesn't know who she is right you know her allegiances i mean i think we're left with this idea that she was at heart always herself so that she only was with the Kree because she believed they were the good guys, and then you know the twist is that they're not. And she was with the Kree you know? a good several six years. years. Six, six years. years. Six years. I don't know how many functional as part of that unit, because it it seems like Jude Law is still having to explain quite a bit about mm-hmm. things that should be known to somebody who's an elite, you know, unit for the Kree. Maybe Kree-y. yes. Maybe it's no. like he's still explaining the supreme intelligence to her, but she's part of these. 
Mm -hmm. She's part of like a like a SWAT unit, like right. a, like a stealth uh, unit. So I'm like, okay, maybe she just came out of the recovery process, where we learned later she was human, uh, was hit by this blast from the forever engine, light speed engine, and now she had to be transfused with Cree blood in order to survive. Well, so let's talk about a few things in there. So the Cree blood thing. I think it worked fine if you if you've only just watched the movies, though that was a little bit of a nod to Agents of Shield. I know it happened. It was well. It's what brought Tahiti. Coulson back, yeah. and all that. So there was precedent for it. In the so MCU. there's precedent within the MCU right. that the Cree blood can have an effect on human physiology. So we're led to believe, but Coulson doesn't believe blue. No, but he also wasn't hit with the light speed engine. Right. So and we don't know what else the Kree did beyond just the transfusion and what that's supposed to be. Right. Um, one of the things that surprised <laughs> me, and I'm going to delve into the comics just for a minute, um, there was recently a comic book miniseries, you know, a, a uh, Captain Marvel miniseries, um, in which they changed Carol's origin to say, actually, all this time she never knew her mother was Kree, so she's actually half Kree. And I absolutely assume this just came out in the last couple of months. Yeah. I was like, okay, that must be what they're doing in the movie. So I was surprised that the movie actually hewed a little bit closer to the comics. So, and, and one of the things we should really break down is, is what they did here, which was interesting. You know, for, for the listeners that don't know, you know, in the comics originally, the whole thing was that there was a Cree officer named Marvel, which was Annette Benning's character's name in the movie. <coughs> Marvel was male. Mm-hmm. His commanding officer was Colonel Jan Rog, and he was sent to Earth to infiltrate. And there was a liaison officer at NASA whom he became friends with, close with, and it was Carol Danvers. Marvell fell in love with humanity, decided to rebel against his, his Kree masters, and he became Captain Marvel, which was obviously, you know, the bastardization of his real name, um, besides the fact that Marvel wanted to use you know, get the trademark. You know, they had actually bought it from a company that had originally bought it from Fawcett Comics from the original Captain Marvel character. That became Shazam. Became Shazam, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we can go on about that. There is a lot of hoopla these days because of the Shazam movie, and supposedly a lot of the trolling that's happened with this movie are because people are, some people, a small segment of the populace are up in arms that that's the real Captain Marvel, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but that's silly because yeah. the Marvel Captain Marvel has been around since the late 60s. And you can have both. Nerds. Yes, yes. But, um, but anyway, so that Captain Marvel, um, at a certain point, there was a, a machine called the Psychomagnetron. Jan Rog was using it, and there was a blast with it. And Carol got hit in it, you know, near Marvell, and it spliced her DNA and made her half Cree, sure. half human, and her genetic potential was realized. We get to other things later. In a, a fight with Rogue, she lo- lost her powers temporarily and her memories. And so the amnesia is a nod to the period in the comics where she had amnesia. She had amnesia for actually several years, um, and Professor Xavier from the X-Men helped get her memories back, but she didn't have the emotions with it. But anyway, after the initial thing with the Psychomagnetron, she became Ms. Marvel. Yeah. She was Ms. Marvel for a while. Post-losing her powers, she went by binary after they got reignited by the brood. You know, then she was Warbird for a bit. She went back to Ms. Marvel. And ultimately, since Marvell had died back in 1982 in the comics, uh, in the very first Marvel graphic novel. Um, as a nod to him, she became Captain Marvel. There were a couple of other Captain Marvels in between, one of whom was relevant in the movie, a character that had nothing to do with Carol or Marvel in any way, named Monica Rambeau, who was, worked for the Coast Guard down in New Orleans, uh, was a boat captain, 
um, was in an accident and actually developed the ability to become any form of energy. And um, basically, you know, her, her, her basic form is she's no longer, she no longer ages because she goes back up between energy and matter all the time. Uh, so her name, Monica Rambeau, she was Captain Marvel for a while because Marvel didn't have, wasn't publishing a Captain Marvel book. Eventually, in recent years, with Carol being Captain Marvel, she became Photon. Mm-hmm. So if you'll notice in the movie, there was Maria Rambeau, who was Carol's friend, who had a daughter back in 1995 named Monica. Yep. And Maria's call sign was Photon. Yeah. So I've, that, I've now explained those Easter eggs. Which, which are cool, and that will, again, the movie takes place in 1995, and so you have, uh-oh, here we go, we're 14 years later, or 24 years later. Well, well here's and, one of the things and, I want to say to you, though. And maybe she'll be older, and in this new movie, yeah. she, or in the Phase 4. I, I, I think maybe just, not. I think just like the whole doing Amadeus Cho's mother in Ultron, sure. I think that, that the, you know, they tend to throw these things in as Easter eggs. It doesn't mean that they're going right. to bring the characters in later. They might. Yeah, but you know that's the kind of thing. You know, maybe they do something where little Monica Rambeau is now all grown up in the Captain Marvel sequel. I mean, hell, you know? they introduced the leader in the Hulk movie, and right. we have yet to see him. Right, I'm saying, and, and maybe she gets powers. But here's the thing, and I want your take on this. I felt like when Carol fully powers up, I'm not clear: is she matter or is she energy? Is that is that going to be the explanation for why? Here it is, it's, you know, a couple of decades later and she hasn't aged. Maybe she doesn't age. Yes, when she shows up in that post credit scene with the current Avengers right, in, right before Endgame, she has not aged at all. Um, I don't know, and I don't think that that's the movie's biggest issues. No, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it, but it might be that I'm, now she's more basically an energy being. Sure. When she, maybe she converts to full energy when yeah. she wakes up like that. You know what? Maybe it's secret invasion and we're actually looking at Talos. Well, again, so that, that, that's, that's another thing for us to discuss. And as Jonathan said, there's a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of things that, that make, make us think about a lot of things. Um, the fact that, you know, traditionally in the Marvel Universe, the Skrulls have been bad guys. Mm-hmm. Almost always. However, what the movie does do right is... The Kree Skrull War it was actually a major event in Marvel Comics way back in the, in the early 70s. Yep. Um, so we're in the middle of the Kree Skrull War. You come to learn that, you know, way, way, thousands and thousands of years before, it was exactly what the way the movie played out that the Kree were the aggressors and the Skrulls were just fighting back. Just in the Marvel Comics, for thousands of years, the Skrulls then got aggressive themselves and weren't necessarily any better than the Kree, and arguably worse, and became their own kind of warmongering imperialist, you know, race. Sure. Even though they may have originally not been. So I know for a lot of people, um, the Skrulls just totally being the good guys was a bit upsetting, particularly because there's another big Marvel storyline called Secret Invasion, in which it turns out that the, the Skrulls planted all kinds of people on Earth they replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, we went into this movie going, hmm, are we going to find out that or maybe so-and-so, maybe Hawkeye's been a scroll, that kind of thing. I don't think the movie takes away their ability to do that just because one group of scrolls were good or sure. Marvel was convinced that they were good doesn't mean that it absolutely has to be the case, that it has to be that simplistic. No, Ronan is hunting them down for a reason. Ronan's hunting them down because they've been... And he's a zealot. They, yeah, he's a zealot, and I think it, what's clear is there's a bit of a guerrilla action going on right. with the Skrulls. I mean, they're fighting to survive, but it doesn't mean they don't kill Kree left and right. 
Yes, and you see Skrulls get aggressive early in the movie, which yeah. I think is causing a lot of audience members to have problems with the twist that I thought was probably my favorite part of the movie, besides just Ben Mendelsohn's performance, which is awesome. It was great. It was fun the, and funny. That yeah. whole The whole twist of, oh, they're good guys, is a great... I, I really loved it. I have a little bit of lingering issue with how they're performing earlier in the movie, they don't kill Carol when they get a chance. They do just but, try and extract but, information. But, but, but it's more than that. They try to extract information, but the question is, can they tell from their scans that she's this special thing that they need? I I'm don't know. Because I, I don't know, and that's, that's where I started having issues, because they clearly um, staged a trap for her. Right. In order to get her... Was it specific? I don't have a sense of specific. Yeah, so, so that seemed really random, which it, makes it, that it ends up being very contrived. If it, yeah, that it happens to be her. She happens to have the information they need but to they, find the light speed engine to on Earth to rescue the the, so, the, so, the so, refugee. So my scrolls. next question: So they get the information that oh, they're searching for any reference to Marvel or the person that they recognize the face, right? That they could, they, the yeah, to get to those refugee um, scrolls, right? Is it that? Marvel had a group of refugees with her and Talos knows and didn't know anywhere at all, like it could be anywhere in the galaxy, and until they knew Earth from Carol. Was that what that was? I know. Because that left the fact that his family ended up with her. It'd be one thing if, okay, looking for him because, oh, you know, has this device that we need, which ultimately, by the way, at the end is like, and they didn't really need it. The Tesseract? They clearly didn't need the Tesseract, no, or even, they, yeah. even the light drive that was developed from right. it. Right. You know, did, what did they need it for? Well, you see them shoot off at the end. Right. And but, I'm, it, but but, but my, there's a couple of different The device things. blew up. Um, the scale is... Ha- I'm having some issues with the scope of the movie because um, the stakes never felt that big. Right. It, it felt like you were saving ten scrolls. Exactly. Which is... Okay, you're saving and ten And there's scrolls. thousands somewhere else? I don't know where they are. I don't, I don't, <laughs> so... It's okay. You can have at the end. You, you, you can have Captain Marvel adventures. I felt like it. Sh- the implication was and I'm going to make reference to a comic book thing, the Beta Ray Bill of it with the Corbinites. That it's sure. it's like a giant arc, but that's but I don't see it. Right, but I mean, right. Keep in mind, there's 24 years of, of adventures from the end of this film to when we see Carol show up again. Sure, and, and who knows what the scroll. You know, it, it, salvation the way, can I, be. But. I think the implication with Ronan was that we'll see another movie set in between. Next movie isn't necess- just like with Wonder Woman. The next movie isn't necessarily after Avengers Endgame. Right. It might be before. Yeah, we we could have a, a movie where Ronan is hunting down scrolls, or he, he fights her again. She goes to Hala. Hala. Um, yeah. How many times do we do a Hala joke? Yeah. Hala. Um, so I'm I'm already kind of janked out by this detachment to Carol, detachment to the story plot line. I'm trying to figure out what this movie is. And, I, and, and Justin next to me is getting all of this. I'm just sitting here being like, dude, this movie is not working for me. You're kind of killing it for him. I totally killed it. I totally killed it for him. And you know what? He's just going to have to live with that because it should have been FJ. That being said, um, uh, we then land on Earth. And we won't even talk about my favorite character, which is the big-eyed dopey scroll, uh-huh. which is my favorite guy. Um, but when they land on Earth... You're getting, now, you're getting close to my, the other thing that really drove me nuts. Once we get to Earth... Here comes the here comes the '90s reference machine, uh-huh. and we really start having problems because, as we said, Carol's accident is told to her happened six years earlier in 1989. This is where she got injured. And she had to she got hit by the light speed engine. She has to get the tra- blood transfusion from Nolan Rom, <laughs> and uh, and uh, 
and and then she's scooped up. In her flashback, she's playing Street Fighter Two Championship Edition. Mm-hmm. There's no Street Fighter Two Championship Edition in 1989. There ain't none of that. And mm-hmm. I'm and, and, and so I'm like, wait, what in that? What wait? Street Fighter Two hadn't even come out in 1989. There's a lot of like just stuffing of 90s references. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is fine, but. The soundtrack's not working as a character the way it did in Guardians. Mm-hmm. In Guardians, the soundtrack's really working as a character. Here, it, it's, it, it's, it, it's working for moments. It's not working for character. And so mm-hmm. I had a little bit of problems with it. Um, especially that last fight scene where it's, I'm just a girl. It felt like we were trying to get a uh, crowd to chant. Yeah, rather than really get I, Car- it, Carol it, to the, go. The song felt out of place in it, the fights. It felt comedic. And I felt detached from the importance of that fight scene, mm-hmm. where she's literally fighting what used to be her brothers in arms, and she's detaching herself from people that she had had allegiance to. And here she is having to betray her own empire. It's a mm-hmm. pretty big moment. We're going to turn it into a music video, and it's a little bit of '90s pandering. And I was not feeling it. That being said. Some it, it was kind of a rah 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 for some of the women that I've seen it with. Yeah, were kind of like, oh, this is great, including Justin. Well, well, well the the one '90s reference that I actually really enjoyed, I thought really played well, was when they're tr- you know they they are trying to to uh, do the, the the decoding and they're all waiting for the CD-ROM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, but it's not it's not that different of a joke than we got where she's trying to use the computer in the Internet Cafe. Yeah, it's not, but it was just, it was great because you have her and you have the scroll and they're like, oh God, this is taking forever. And as the audience, we feel the same thing, but everyone else in the room is like, this is 1995, it's how long this takes. And so, I, so, in, so this is the thing. There's two instances of that joke. Because that joke is really happening with other characters mm-hmm. there to witness it and act as commentary for right. that moment. That's what made I it think the second that. instance works. Yeah. I, think yeah. in the, I think in the... Internet cafe. Yeah, man, nothing. It it just was a thing that was yeah. like, oh, funny, Lexus Nexus or whatever the heck that was, um, you know, Prodigy Online or whatever. Um, so so the '90s stuff became distract, distracting to me because it felt like it was becoming little roadblocks mm-hmm. in a story that I that it took forever to get propulsion. When it finally gets, pro- I mean, when they get to Louisiana, the movie sits. Mm-hmm. I do think it's clever that they had Talos. Sipping from the cup like Samuel Jackson from Pulp Fiction, and mm-hmm. the cup is the same. Yeah. The soda cup. I was like, oh, that's cute. I would like those references because they felt more like Easter eggs well, than well, they felt like smacks over the head. Well, let, let's back up a second because something that really, really bothered me Talos and the other scrolls land on the beach. Yes. Pretty much the same time as Carol. I mean, actually, seemingly sure. a little later because they come out of. Well, I guess they were maybe they were deep in the water. And one Takes of them, them tries to, to kill Carol. But wait, wait, wait. They come over. It's the morning. Sure. They turn to surfers. All right, fine. The S.H.I.E.L.D. agents come out to the break-in at Blockbuster, I'm assuming, because they had an inkling something came from the sky. Well, so the you security had, you had, guard called them, of right. course. Yeah. But, well, they didn't call S.H.I.E.L.D. But so, so Fury and Coulson come out. Next thing you know, Fury's superior in the same day has already been taken over by a scroll that just landed. That didn't make any sense. Yeah. Sir, can, please it, no, explain no, to if, me. If Talos hadn't been one of the been the character that was interrogating memories from her on the ship, 
if Talos had not landed on the beach, if Talos had already been then they're fine. Been on exactly. Earth, then that, that and if they're shield, that would make total sense. Totally work. By the way, and even if it's repeating a beat, fine. The same way Hydra, you know, had been in Shield forever. Sure. That was a brilliant thing that they did in Winter Soldier and played in Shield and Agents of Shield. One of the greatest reveals, knowing that they started this show, they went almost a full season, knowing the whole time having read the script of Winter Soldier, that they literally had characters that were regulars from the beginning of the show that ended up being Hydra. And those actors didn't even know. Yeah, but it was great. Yeah. That was awesome, you know? Yeah, that if, second if, season, if you had a scroll running season, around for a while... The second or third season of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really great on that level. Yeah, the second. Um, but, so, you know, and, and, and that's the Shades of Secret Invasion. The guy just landed. It's not like the S.H.I.E.L.D. guy came out to the scene and when did he get taken? <laughs> how would they know to go take yeah, him? Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn's character, yeah. Like, how does that happen? It, it doesn't work at all. It's totally contrived. Yes. Um, Maybe there's a deleted scene that he came out to the scene that I doubt because he wouldn't have come out to the scene. There wasn't enough time for that to happen. Right. So that, that, that really bothered me. And, of course, you know, Stephanie's like, that's what you're getting stuck on? I'm like, yeah, because it's a major plot point. And you're also depicting them as aggressors than escapees. It's a little... Into, okay, so let's say they're. Well, no, but it, let's for, say for they're me it's because entire... I'm used to the scrolls and I've read scrolls so long, and the whole <clears throat> idea of them infiltrating and doing that sure. is such a major thing with that character. So I get what, of course, they had to do it, but I don't think they did it well. And, well, the motivations of the scrolls ultimately are that they want to find out who this character was, where the light speed engine is, and where these refugees are up in orbit. Okay, great. And got you're it. right. Got it. it seems like they're trying to kill her, and yet they need her. She is talking by the payphone. In the Smashing Pumpkins posters that they really want you to see, uh, uh-huh. with Samuel Jackson and, and Coulson, um, and one of them tries to blow her head off, uh-huh. then runs away, and is like snipe. Just kidding. Runs away. You had the sequence on the subway somewhere. Coulson gets swapped and gets in the car with um, with Samuel Jackson. You had that sequence. And the entire time I'm trying to watch the sequence that is an okay sequence. I'm sitting here going, wait, but why did he run away? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he tried to blow her head off and then run away. Do, do they need her? Do they not need yeah, her? It, it, that sequence may just work just to get a jewel to be dropped so that she can put it in her e-reader mm-hmm. on her wrist so that they can find out where the bar is, where she played Street Fighter Two Championship Edition before it existed. That, that was the Top Gun bar, right? Yeah, it was not the Top Gun bar. That's what I'm saying. It's the same. But, it, but you, you always have the bar that the, 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 the fly jockeys go to. It, it felt like the movie needed one, like a cleanup draft yeah. to go through and be like, I all agree. right, knowing that all these pieces are in place, we need this to make sense. We need this to streamline. We need well, this to well, work. Well, no, the bottom line is this. It's a good movie. The, the frustrating thing about this movie is it should have been a great movie. should have been a great the, movie. The, the bones are there. And I agree. It needed another cleanup. It needed to be fixed in some places. But I want to state this right now because I shared an article from Variety. It did not need to be a great movie because it's a female movie. No, it just it, it just needed to be a there. great movie. Period. Because it's very close. I shared an article from Variety that I thought was great because it's part of the discussion that's going on with this movie, and I thought it was really important that this uh, female writer came out and, and said this. She said it's okay that Captain Marvel is just fine because. What, as she says it, minority. The message female, is there. The message yeah, is great. The message is great, but minority female LGBTQ filmmakers, storytellers, when they come out, they need to make something that's ten times better than the white male equivalent because they're under ten times the amount of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So when you make a Wonder Woman movie, 
everybody's in invested and it better be great and if it's not it's the Ghostbusters thing that already gets retconned right, right. and shuffled out Black Panther everything's riding on Black Panther we need to also get to a place where stuff's just not writing on any of these films because a true equality means that a female uh, and a black director or a Mexican director you're absolutely or, right. can they've got the right to make the same normal you, you, you're average absolutely right. uh, piece of crap movie that anybody yeah, else does. I, I'm not saying this this should have been great because it, it had responsibility to be great. I'm just saying that, that the bones were there. Sure. But I understand why it wasn't. Yes. It, it, there were a lot of cooks in this kitchen, I felt like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and maybe the stresses of that scrutiny of having to knock this out of the park well, caused it to be overcooked. Well, uh, again, I look at the movie and I think that this, the story's there. They, you know, some of it is the nature of what it is. It's meant to be a big Marvel action movie when there's so much potential to tell so much more character. And ironically enough, the comic version of this is great. I mean, even the miniseries I referenced before is so much Carol character stuff with her family. That's Kelly all Sue that the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, it's... And, and the same thing. <laughs> Kelly Sue the Conic, you know, all of her Captain Marvel comics are now. There's so much of that stuff. And so I guess, you know, I expect more of that. And that would have made a better movie. It just wouldn't have had as much action. Or, you know, it would have been longer, right. you know? But I think, I think that's where the movie really loses is there just should have been more character in a lot of places. In the told beginning, through, in the middle. Action. Yes. And not like the scenes we got in Louisiana where yeah. they're literally mm. sitting down. Even when the scrolls show no, up, you're sitting no, you down. Know, no, you know what? I, I, I'm fine with that. <coughs> I could have had more of that. But didn't, they don't have to be action. They just could have been just done differently and just had more of it. I enjoyed the records sequence mm-hmm. in the S.H.I.E.L.D. base where there's... A, yeah, it was fun. There's a bit, and it, it's clever with the Samuel yeah. Jackson naming and things like that, where he's like, "People call me Fury," and then the second somebody calls him Nicholas, you're right, like, "Oh, knows. shit is up," and we're really excited for that stuff. Mm-hmm. So even Lang, though later people call him Nick, yeah, laying stuff like that, I was I was into. Um, Ian, I think this the is the Flurkin I enjoyed. The Flurkin I enjoyed. So let's talk about but the Flurkin. Have you read the comics? Do you know? But did you know no. about the Flurkin? But but so I did not. I, I knew something was up with the fucking cat. It, but but Ian, in, in the comics, what's fun is that because there's a period where she was with the Guardians. Yeah. And Rocket only wants to eat her Flurkin, and she's like, "What are you talking about? Yeah. It's a cat." And he's, no, it's not. It's a Flurkin. And it's it, it, it's a joke. Oh. It's played for issues. And finally, she finds out. Oh, it's a Flurkin. She had no idea. So, Ian, before we walked in the movie, Jonathan sent you a text. Because we all knew that Nick Fury, big spoiler, was going to lose his eye in right. this movie. What did the text say that I sent you? Oh, you said that it better not be the cat that takes his eye. No, I said if Nick Fury tries to fuck the cat and it takes his eye out. Oh, you say it's the greatest movie ever. It's going to be the best Marvel movie ever. Well, yeah. That being said, I said it because there was no way Nick Fury was actually going to try and have sex with a cat and it was going to take his eye. That just wasn't going to happen. Right. That being said... We got pretty damn close. When I, I saw in the trailer him with the cat meow, and I went, oh, please. But I, I, I had a feeling from the trailer, oh, the cat's going to scratch me. I was going to lose the eye. Totally. And, and again, because I know the comics, I said, and the, and the cat's a flurkin, not a cat. Right. And I'm sitting there, and because the cat was such a big figure point of like their entire promotion, they got its own poster. Right. And I'm watching this just being like, no. I, so, so I'm kind of split on this because... They make a joke when Coulson comes in with the replacement eyes about how did he lose his eye, and the joke is he, you know, Nick Fury says, 
that they were torturing him for information and this and that, or he'd done something. Well, do you remember he said, he said about tr- trusting some, you know, somebody you know he shouldn't have? Right. So I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, was that the scene I expected? Was I expecting to, for Fury to lose his eye in some massive action sequence instead of fucking with a cat? Mm-hmm. Was I expecting that? And then Marvel threw it on his head and was like, no, we're going to go against that kind of convention and we're just going to have a, the cat swipe his eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know where I stand on that. Do I, do I, I, did I, I want I, it to dramatically have his I, eye cost or I'm, did I want the silly I'm, I'm mixed too. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the Tesseract? Please. So we first see the Tesseract in Captain America. The Tesseract, the ship's going down, it burns through the hull, it falls in the water, he crashes, they pull him out. We're led to believe Fury has the Tesseract and is developing you know, things from it. So they, we they found it, it before. Avengers. Yeah, yeah. We see it in the beginning yes. of Avengers. Yeah, exactly. And it's in shield custody. It's in shield custody. So now they've given us the connective tissue, how he got the Tesseract. But something that bothered me is, if I hadn't seen anything else, I would think that Marvel created it. Or, yeah, I mean... But we, it's fine. Do like, you need to know how Marvel found the Tesseract? Well, she works for S.H.I.E.L.D. She doesn't work for S.H.I.E.L.D. She works for Project Pegasus, which is another Easter egg. Right, but in the S.H.I.E.L.D. facility, Project Pegasus is in the field. It's, it's, it's all government. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. government. So, I mean, it's fine, you know, and the whole thing with it, you know, we don't know how long that it, it's in there. Um, I did, so... My take on this is this, as far as it, it being the Tesseract, the power to the, the light speed engine or whatever. Um, so ultimately, Carol's powers are somewhat derived from an Infinity Stone, much the same way the Scarlet Witch's powers and Quicksilver's powers were. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, that that's going to be an important thing for Carol coming into play. Oh, that she and Scarlet Witch are Well, it's, the, it's, powers, that, it's yeah. that, the source of powers is, is a stone. Yeah. Uh, in Visions as well. Yeah. 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 That is interesting. Uh, she did get blasted by the light speed engine. Uh, did the Tesseract fuel that light speed engine yes. on the ship? Or, it, well, or was it just clear, found... It's not clear about later, but yeah. it, it definitely... the what, she, what Kara got blasted by was definitely fueled by the Tesseract. As for how they took off later when they needed it, it seemed like at the end they didn't need it anymore. Wait. It's like they forgot about it. How that. do you know... Okay, so... Because at the end of the movie... The Tesseract was the power source. For the light speed engine. Yes, that blew up. Okay. That it, she shot. Wait, that, that she shot when she was fighting her. Yes. Young uh, Rock came with Marvel. Um. Sure. Uh. And so it was in the ship that crashed. It, I. It's not clear if it was in there or not. Right. I think. I think that it was used to power it. In a similar way to how Shield was using, just slice off a piece of it and throw well, it. Well, that was the whole thing. Remember the whole idea that I thought was very clever initially with Hydra in Captain America, and then later with Shield in the first Avengers. Is the weapons need a power source? We right. don't have a power source. The Tesseract was the power source. Sure. And now she's blasted with it. Right. Yeah, I could see that. They're all. They're all. And and it will tie her into Thanos's left hand as well. Yeah. Because the source of her powers is on his glove. Um, Okay, Ian. That's the movie. I don't know. What else do you want to say about Captain Marvel before we start talking about how it's going to start tying into... Yeah, those are the big things. Um, Those are my points. Those are the things that bother me. I'm still a little stuck on. They needed the light speed drive to get away. Then they didn't need it. They didn't have it at the end. They just took off. She went with them. Yeah. There's no... Did did they forget the whole point of the MacGuffin? You know? 
here's it, it no longer mattered. And right? I have, and I do have a problem with the young rug showdown at the end in the desert mm-hmm. because she's already kicked his ass three times in the movie. Right. By the way, <laughs> w- was Jan Rog looking for the Tesseract? Right. Was he? It was. It seemed like at the end, like he wanted it. They had it, but then. But he. It's never his goal throughout the movie until what, he goes to scoop. Right. Carol was up. it because was he just trying to keep her from finding it? Right. Because if it was, couldn't they have also, with the way the supreme intelligence communed with her, couldn't they have been searching her memories to find if they were looking for it before? Right. Was that weird? or it's all I, I wasn't clear. Did they take her because they wanted to ultimately get the same information? Or did they take her because they recognized that she got hit by this energy and she could be used? And the device was to keep her in check while they were developing her to be their soldier? Well, Marvel destroys the ship. Right. And it's revealed in that final flashback that Jude Law's character, Yang Rog, wanted it. Because he's the one that's approaching through the smoke. Right. And she destroys it rather than having yeah, it. Exactly. So He wanted the technology. Right. But he's not very active in pursuing it on the same level that these scrolls are. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. they, they just go and read her head. I mean, the Supreme Intelligence communing with her you know, in her head. So you would think that, like, what, was, that, was that what they... And he came the way he came because clearly it seemed like he wanted it. She had... It seemingly had it in the briefcase, but then it was that was right. the you know. And now we have this the fake, sudden, but we have the sudden goal that the, that the character discovers in a, when we need a yeah. third act, which is a little problematic. Yeah, it, it just it seemed like both. It was never clear that if the Kree were after the Tesseract all along, that wasn't clear, and they didn't really seem to go after it very hard, and the scrolls seemed to forget about it pretty quickly at the end. Right. So, so th- those were a couple of big problems I had. Um, it was cool as far as other Easter eggs. The uh, Star Force. So you have Minerva as Doctor Minerva, who's been a big villain for both Marvel and Carol, as well as you know she's been around in Marvel comics for a while. And there was also Captain Atlas. Atlas was the other one. Did it with um, the beard? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then obviously Korath, you know, who um, he was Jaiman Hansu, who had already been in. Guardians. Guardians and those and are Ronin. the same character. Yeah. So basically, when he loses out in this ba- in this movie, he well, he ended up working with Ronan. He ends up working with Ronan, right? He gets kicked around. Um, yeah, he probably gets demoted working with Ronan. Um, okay, so well, by the time he's with Ronan, they're not officially working for the Kree anymore. Right. Ronan's right. gone rogue, and he's working with 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 Ronan, not the Ravagers. Right. Okay, because we meet him in the Ravagers pretty subsequently there in that first. Right, Guardians but no, he's, he's working for for Ronan. Ronan. Okay, uh, that does make sense because the connection is a little closer to then. Because I was like, wait, in Guardians is he with? No, he's not. You're right. He's not with the Ravagers. He no, because he gets his ass kicked by Groot in that final <laughs> scene yeah, yeah, on the, yeah, on the yeah, ship. No, but he, he works for Ronan. Um, okay, so we see Carol show up in the mid-credit sequence. <coughs> We're ready for Endgame. How does this play out, Ian? I mean, that was exciting and awesome. She showed up. Where's Fury? Apparently, they find the beeper and they just keep... They assume that since it was where Fury was... Brody would have known what a two-way pager was. Uh, you know, <laughs> obviously... He goes, it, that thingy, and I'm like, you know what a two-way no, pager it, is. No, it was special. <coughs> I know. You know? It just looked <laughs> like a pager. <laughs> it was a two-way pager that had been changed up, I yeah, know. Yeah, So... And, and Bruce definitely knows what it is. Um, okay, yeah, not, not all the Avengers are millennials. They know what a two-day page, way, way pager is. Yeah. Um, okay, so we turn and we see Captain Marvel and we're ready to kick Thanos' ass. How does that play out, Ian? I mean, we'll see. You know, I've heard some rumors, but I, I don't necessarily want to speculate on rumors I've heard about, about uh, Endgame right now. I mean... Why not? Well, I can. I mean, I don't... I don't you know, they're rumors. I mean, I, 
I think that the beginning of the movie is going to be about go kick Thanos' ass. That's not really going to be what the movie's about. No. I don't think that the movie is going to culminate in beating Thanos. I think beating Thanos is probably going to happen early in the movie, and then it's going to be about how they fix things. Yes. And is there, do you think Scott's going to... We talked I, about I Scott definitely going back think in time. that Scott's going to be using the quantum realm to bounce around. And maybe that's going to lead to just changing things so that it's just a reset. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I hate to think that's going to be it didn't happen, but I think that's what's likely. Yeah, and it could also be a partial reset. Yeah. In, in, I mean, listen, and we're talking in, about Cap sacrificing. In, in, in the comics, they don't take it away. It never didn't happen. Right. It's it happened and they come back. You know. Right. The thing is, all the rumors I hear have the movie that a bunch of time goes by, and I don't feel like they can really go. I don't know the exact amount of time. Let's say it's six months. I don't think they can say, oh, it's been six months and have people just pop back up. Well, you the know? Marvel movies have also just been real time anyway. Yeah, yeah. So this has been a year. Yeah. And we saw Cap and so you Black my Widow point, though, monitoring okay, the do, do, do they do a full reset and then it didn't happen? No. Or, or people no. have actually just been gone for a whole year? Those deaths happened, I believe. You know, so it's like it's the leftovers and then they came back. Sure, sure. But from the numbers that we were looking at at the end of that, that in first off, this is universe galaxy wide. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so every planet is dealing with this. Yeah, um, I'm saying in the original Infinity Gauntlet, it happened. People were gone, but it's maybe a day or two. It's not you know that they, yeah. you know, they keep fighting Thanos and they, they reverse it. Yeah, that mid credit sequence, we get to see Steve and Natasha looking at numbers climb into the billions, mm-hmm. and that stuff has happened. And Time has clearly passed because mm-hmm. uh, he still has his beard. Mm-hmm. He has not shaved yet. And um, and when he shaves, Scott shows up as we saw in the trailer for 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 Endgame. So um, I believe. So people are saying that they believe that Carol saves Tony. We I agree with the quantum realm thing and talking about Scott going back in time and. Doing some course correction. Carol saving Tony makes sense. I, I thought I heard somewhere Tony, that you know, sure. Tony's trying to get back. He's stuck out, you know, elsewhere. Yeah. And so it makes sense. Someone has to be spacefaring, and the Guardians got wiped out. Right. Um. So, so does the movie open with Carol saving Tony? Does it open on Tony and Carol saving Tony? It might. That would be kind of cool. Right. Um, it seemed like that. By the way, even that they've been powering up the thing. You know, it seems like you know it, it doesn't seem like a year. It seems like just a little bit of time since they found it. By the way, I do have to say one of the things that bugged me is in the Ant Man closing sequence when we see Fury and Maria Hill disappear. That was um, that was that was Avengers. It, the Ant Man closing scene was the was Scott. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm sorry, you're right. Excuse me. At the, at the end of uh, Avengers when that happens. Um, it seemed to happen too quickly. It's like they get the report. It's like, oh, this is happening, you know, New York and Wakanda, and then they disappear. Like, did that not seem weird to you? It wasn't exactly a snap, but maybe it was a wave that passed out through the from the snap that finally caught Maria and. and I don't know. Uh, it all Gary. it all just seemed too quick. I I try to allow for like maybe. You know, they got the report later and things happened, but it was like, oh, suddenly, you know, these things are entering the atmosphere, and then, boom, everyone disappears. Yeah, I mean, everything's happening in real time, because Maria is reporting on, like, we're having this and this and this, and the helicopter goes crazy. Um, a snap is a snap, but it's... Yeah, it, it but there was like time that like the, the, the Wakanda like battle, if, you know... Well, the snap didn't happen until the end of that Wakanda Exactly, so that's my point. Right. 
So wait, I don't think I know your point. In the scene, it's like they get the report that you know things have entered the atmosphere. Yeah. To Wakanda, and then like a minute or so later, they snap. They're gone. Well, the things entered the atmosphere a lot more than a minute or so for a whole battle on Wakanda and all that. Yeah. What do you think they? What do you want them to do about it? I'm saying it should have been a lot more time, you know, in between the report of things entering the atmosphere and the snap. Whose report is that? That's it's not. I'm clear. just talking about the end scene where Fury and so am I. In, she's reporting on people things entering the atmosphere. Yeah, she's. A, I thought she was reporting on people disappearing. No, no, she's saying things just enter the atmosphere. So no, I'm cool with them having some bad communication issues okay. and it taking ten minutes for that to ha- or a, right. an hour for that to happen because okay. there's no shield. Yeah. Okay. I see your point there. Yeah. So it took an hour. Okay. It took an hour to report that things are coming in. Um, all right, well, beyond Cap sacrificing himself in this next movie, what do you see happening? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, there's all this talk about who's going to make it out in Endgame, and, you know, it seems like Cap and Iron Man both are done after this movie, right? In, the, in, in their current forms, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is there any point in doing, just because the comics have done it, you know, do, do you bother doing Bucky Cap? In Doing the movies? What? Do you do a Bucky cap in the movies? Yeah, or a Falcon cap? Who knows? That being said, if they does do, he die or does he go? Well, does he does he walk off into the sunset? I think he has to die. Okay, but Tony does not. Yeah, because Tony has Pepper. Right. And right. So maybe. I think, so I think Tony stays goes into the background. Maybe. Maybe. With, with Pepper, and I think that we've got yeah Cap. I think Cap has to die. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you do a Bucky cap or a Falcon cap, I don't think you. Bo- I don't think anyone cares about those movies or right. needs to see that movie. But I think it's you have them in, in a form of the Avengers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think they're Avengers members. Um, likewise, How... I mean, you don't need another Iron Man. You have War Machine. Yes. How do you get Gamora back in the Guardians cast for number three? I think that. Do you still make Guardians three? Well, first of all, I think that Gamora is in the Soul Stone because she's not actually dead. Sure. But obviously anything that undoes everything else, you know, undoes the rest of them dying. So there it is. As for making Guardians 3, I mean, look, they set up him, Adam Warlock, you know, but do you make that movie without James Gunn? I'm not sure you need to. Right. You know? um, It is a billion-dollar franchise. That franchise was a big deal because it was leading to this and it didn't go the way you expected. You expected Adam Warlock sooner. You expected, you know, this, the second Guardians, it's a good movie, but, you know, it doesn't have that much DNA to this, right. to, you know, the Infinity War and Endgame. It doesn't have the DNA you expected. There's a little bit, you know, obviously the Nebula stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but not as much as I would have hoped. Right. You know, uh, as I certainly hoped way back when. Okay. So, Ian, we got that movie coming. We have yeah, some end game coming. I don't think that's the next time we're going to be talking, though. No? Because there's a little Shazam. movie called Shazam. And there's another comic book property that I'm actually looking forward to. And I don't know if it's a, a movie that necessitates you and I meeting, although I'm super pumped for this. And yeah. I'm getting more pumped since that last trailer showed so much of the BPRD. I'm talking about Hellboy. Okay. That last trailer, the yeah. depiction of the BPRD, I didn't see the last trailer yet. Ripped right out of the comics. Okay. It the building looked the same. I mean, I'm definitely going to see it. Like Colonel Dano looked amazing. The mm-hmm. whole thing, 
you know what? I love the art direction and the visual style of Guillermo del Toro's version. Mm -hmm. I always had a little bit of problems with the third acts of both those films and a little bit of the writing of those films. I was like, eh, it's close, it's close. This one seems like a damn good Hellboy movie. It seems like like the most faithful Hellboy movies. And I, I loved Ron I'm, Perlman. I'm excited for it. I loved Ron Perlman. I yeah. loved that world that Guillermo did. But this one just seems like it really is the No, movie. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Shazam, I'm really excited I'm for. So, it looks great. Yeah, it looks, it looks, it looks like a lot of fun. And then it's Endgame. Then it's Endgame. Then, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Dark Phoenix. I, I can wait. <sighs> but we got to. We owe it to the Geekscapers. I, I, I'm going to see it. I'm gonna, we, we should go see Ian it And get tickets. I'm going to see it. And then, I, I'm expecting it to be horrible. And then, how did we manage not to comment? You, you heard me groaning, right? Well, you heard During me. The, you heard me like in, during the first silence of the trailer. I yell out, "Wait, did they kill Mystique?" Yes, because <laughs> it was pretty obvious they killed Mystique. Yes. Um, but then, Ian, after that, we take a vacation to Europe. Uh huh. Far with from our, home with our friend Spider Man. Yeah. So, Ian, we have our work cut out. For we us. have some things. We have some things to talk about, brother. And somewhere in there, Jessica Jones is going to come revisit us and close out the Netflix Marvel films. Done. And the Marvel stuff. Um, we, we did say that was it. We, we, we called it before Daredevil. Hey, man, I called Dick Fury and the cat. Yeah. So we're really good at this stuff. Yeah. Okay, don't fuck with that cat. You don't lose your eye. Flurkin. It's a flurkin. Tesseract's um, just a furball. <laughs> it's a hairball, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Ian, anything you want to say to the Geekscapists? Any closing thoughts? No, I just, you know, again, I just... I like the movie. It's not great. It could have been great. It's good. But I will say this. It's good enough. It sets up enough. It does that thing where, which happens all too often in these first movies of these heroes, where they're not really the character till the end. And it's a base hit. Yeah. And I'm saying, like, yeah. by the way, I really, really like Doctor Strange. But Doctor Strange is the same thing. He's not the Doctor Strange, you know, that you wanted to be and expected to be. Arguably, not even at the end of Doctor Strange. Sure. When you get first in Ragnarok and then Infinity War, by the time you get to Infinity War, he's Doctor Strange. Right, he's right. what you want him to be. He's the master of the mystic he's arts. Fun. The Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, and he's fucking with people. Yeah, he's it. He's fucking with Loki. But, but I'm saying, yeah, yeah in, in Ragnarok, it's great when yeah. he does that stuff. Like, that's like, oh, yeah, he has this down. Sure. You know? He's never that in Doctor Strange. I know. But it's you an know? origin. It's an origin, and yeah. pro- props to Marvel for trying to skip out on the. Uh, on the retelling of a, a traditional origin, but I think in this case, a little bit more of that would have helped a little bit more. Yeah. Um, movie that is good, wanted it great, but you know what? As I said earlier in that Variety article, we cannot always expect home runs. Yeah, and... and we'll take a base g- hit. Good is good, and good, it, it wet the appetite, and I, I think that they always saw this as just getting you ready for Endgame. Yeah. All right, I'm excited to see her in it. I, I, honestly, I got so excited, even though I knew it was coming, when you see the Avengers and suddenly she turns and there she is in Black Widow's face, was like awesome. Ian, love you, buddy. Geeks gave us we love you too. That's why we do this. You can follow Ian on Twitter. You can talk to him on Facebook in our Geekscape Forever group. Leave a comment for for Ian. Tell him what you guys thought of Captain Marvel. Uh, love you guys. We're going to be back with another Geekscape episode very soon. And of course, we've already outlined how many specials we got coming at you guys through the spring and summer. So enjoy that. Uh, if you liked this, tell your friends about it. Be like, oh, these two guys have a really great take on Captain Marvel. And go ahead and share the episode with them. Tell them to subscribe. Tell them to check us out because we are on the road to 
not just WonderCon, but we got Comic-Con this summer. Uh, I'm super pumped to already have my hotels. <laughs> yes, the uh, benefits of being an exhibitor and b- spending thousands of dollars on a booth. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> and uh, this summer we'll see you at the Comic-Con booth, and Ian will be there sending autographs. And, um, and that's about it. Uh, subscribe and tell your friends. Over and out. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 